dying to see what skeletons are hidden in your closet. Greetings, Seven, mortals, and welcome to eight, the podcast nine, by Evil. I am Doug Lee. I am Dan Oster. And this week we are talking about Freddy Krueger. Ah, uh, uh, yes, Frederick Krugerelli. <laughs> didn't you? Didn't we reference him that way in some prior episode? Yeah, in the Al Capone episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Frederick. It's pronounced Frederick. Um, Freddy Krueger, the Springwood Slasher. Um, you know, we we normally uh, kick off this by asking you, Dan, what you know off the top of your head. But I feel like that may not be the way to go here because this is one of those characters that is like uh, so ingrained in everybody. Like everyone knows Freddy. Everyone knows so many things about Freddy that yeah, that kind sort of, of review doesn't I was quite mentioning work. Mentioning that we were doing this character, everyone that I mentioned it to kind of lit up. Yeah, everybody, because I think it's not just that everyone knows Freddy Krueger. People love this character. Um, this is yet another one that we've picked that is off of that AFI list of the 50 greatest villains. We've done a few now. We've done Dracula. We did uh, the Wicked Witch of the West. And Freddy clocks in at number 40 on the list. And and I think with good reason, like out of this, out of this kind of crop of characters that he would you would associate him with right like jason Voorhees and michael myers and leatherface and pinhead like this group of let's say 70s to 80s slasher characters he's he's the marquee guy right like he's the lead horse yeah i mean he's the most fun for sure most of these guys are kind of dour uh when you you know a lot of times people put up freddie versus jason in fact they did that in a movie um but it's no contest in my opinion because Jason has no personality. He kills you with just a machete most of the time. And Freddie, you know, he embodies your greatest fear. You know, he's in your dreams and kills you in all sorts of amusing ways. And he, he makes puns about it and he's just so much more fun. He's, he's definitely the most fun child murderer out there. <laughs> yeah, by, by, by leaps and bounds. Uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the, John Wayne Gacy is a distant, distant second. Right. Um, did he kill children or did he just dress like a clown? I don't know. We'll find anyway, out in the subsequent episode, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, that'll really bring people in. Um, but with Freddy Krueger, I understand, yes, I could probably go on and on and on and just do an hour based on what I already know. And that said, I never want to assume people know, you know, the basics. I don't know who's who's tuning in. Sure. Right? My I, mom yeah. eventually will start listening, and I, I don't know that she knows everything about Freddy Krueger. I've tried to convince my mom to listen, but I don't know that she can figure out how to subscribe to a podcast. But anyway, um, I think you're right. It's probably worth laying out at least some some vital stats on, on uh, Freddy Krueger. So, so Freddy Krueger, uh, uh, from the original film uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street, that was the first one by Wes Craven. He is. Uh, he was a, a child murderer. They they sort of gloss over if he was doing anything other than that, you know. But for obvious reasons, I'll, I'll remind me to put a pin in that. We'll come back to to that. Uh, okay. Issue. Yeah. But he was. But uh, basically, the townsfolk, uh, the parents, the angry parents. Can't, he was like a like was he like a groundskeeper or something? He's a groundskeeper Freddy? in the 2010 remake, but uh, I forget what his actual job was. I don't know if he actually had a job at a school. 
Um, I think okay. he must have had some Just kind of a job at the school because I think he's boiler murdered. room inhabitant. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so they they come to him, they come to his house, and they they burn it down, they kill him. Uh, it's vigilante justice, right? He actually and, he escapes, right? He he gets off on a technicality. He is caught. Oh, the classic classic eighties right. uh, trope. Yeah, he the, he right. right. It's a technicality. A, a pesky constitution <laughs> right. fails again. Once again. And uh, so they, they take uh, the parents take the law into their own hands and they kill Freddy and they, they burn him to death. And he comes back and takes his vengeance on their children in their dreams. He's able to appear in their dreams. And if Freddy kills you in your dream, you die for real. That's basically the gist of it. He was portrayed by Robert Englund, very memorably, not just in the movies, but in a whole, he feels like Alf. I mean, he was like ever present. There was like a 900 number you could call and get like a different message from Freddy every day. There was a TV, an anthology series hosted by Freddy. I mean, he, he was all over the map. Right. And in amusement park stunt shows forevermore. <laughs> Um, <laughs> was it really oh oh that's right you mean like like uh halloween haunt or whatever yeah or like you go to not farm? Ex- I, that's the one i was thinking of actually you go to not scary farm and he walks out on stage and stabs somebody and makes a pun and then they trot out somebody right. else for they, him they kind of name check freddie exactly well he's yeah. very iconic i mean the look the sweater the hat and of course the glove this glove that he's got that's got uh is it is the thumb a blade or is it just the fingers? I believe it's just the fingers, but in the two, it's either in uh, New Nightmare or in the. Which the I remake. don't really give a shit about. Yeah, in New Nightmare or in the remake, I can't remember which one, but he does have the thumb claw. <laughs> you know, they're like, "What can we do? How can we up this?" All yeah, right, one classic heightening. Give him a thumb claw. Mm-hmm. Actually, New Nightmare was an interesting one. I I don't think I've seen it, but the concept I've heard it's pretty good. It is good. You, you'd actually like it. It's, well. it's got some. Uh, it is done by Wes Craven, which is cool because it's the original, right? But it's like an he early. Came back and it's a cool example of a movie that is really meta in a way that we would kind of like see today. Like that wouldn't be that uncommon to see, but back when that was originally released, like nobody had done anything like that right um, and we'll get to that i think it might will. be good to go sequentially if that's oh yeah absolutely thinking. yeah okay so that's i think those are the basics that you need to know about freddy krueger yeah and i'm we can get into his backstory too which is slowly Do you know where the name came from i this don't know a oh. little bit of hollywood trivia he was a childhood bully of wes craven's oh wow so somewhere there was <laughs> no. a real freddy krueger and what and that is not if that isn't the best revenge oh yeah that guy's life <laughs> It's pretty much ruined by this series. I think there's room somewhere for a a, a show or a movie that's like all about real life inspiration. Like, because there was like definitely like a there's like a real life Kramer that lived across the way from Seinfeld mm-hmm. or Larry David that they the, the uh, Michael sure. Richards character was based on. Like, let's yeah, all get those guys in a room, like a Jeff Lebowski type and all this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, we can talk a little bit. I I wanted to uh, mention the inspiration for the story itself was kind of interesting. Um, Wes Craven had seen a, uh, an article in the LA Times about a series of teenagers who were dying in their sleep of nightmares. They hmm. would they would report having nightmares to their parents and there was one who had like gone at like great, you know, he'd, he, he had a nightmare and he said he knew he was going to die in a nightmare and so he did everything in his power to stay awake for five days and until he finally, you know, couldn't, prolong it anymore he fell asleep his parents heard him screaming uh in his sleep he went quiet they went up to find him the next morning and he was dead wow like crazy stuff and now the difference here was unlike the uh, the characters in the movie who are you know kind of all-american teenager tropes 
um, these were uh, Southeast Asian kids who had lived through, um, I, is, I don't know if it was Vietnam or horrors in Cambodia or so, something like that. Um, so they had a fair amount of trauma in their past already, which may have contributed to this happening. Um, but that's all the detail I know about this story. But it was enough of an interesting idea for, for Wes Craven to take that and go, oh, what if there was uh, something that killed you in your sleep like that in your night? What if he had a sweater? What if he had a sweater? Um, yeah, that is interesting. No, no, Nothing to joke about there. That's just really dark and horrible. But uh, it is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Um, but, but here's another interesting tip because you talked about Freddie and what he's notable for is being, um, just, uh, kind of this ball of evil charisma that he's, you know, all the puns and jokes and he's caught con- and the transformations and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Freddy Krueger, the man of your dreams. Yeah. <laughs> but in, uh, in the original Nightmare on Elm Street, the character is only on screen for a total of seven minutes. Hmm. Which is kind of amazing because his presence obviously infects the entire movie and it feels like he's there more than he is. In fact, they don't even reveal his name or anything about him until pretty long into the this movie. Is, this is classic Urkelism where... You know what's crazy? That was referenced in the article character. I read when I was doing my research and, and it was talking about that exact fact. Like The article was like, not unlike Steve Urkel. <laughs> <laughs> he really kind of became the gravitational center of the series. Yeah. That's interesting. That is, sense, and though, his catchphrase, you know, did I do that? Of course, after he murders someone. <laughs> did I do that, bitch? Yeah. Um, but, you know... That's that's always how this goes, right? I mean, you start out with a, a pretty straightforward horror film, and of course, in horror, we've talked about this many times. Less the less you know about what you're up against, the scarier it is. Okay, great. But as it goes on, it's what it gets campier. Uh, the character sort of becomes the focus. He sort of becomes the protagonist that happened in the Friday the Thirteenth movie. It definitely I mean, happens. This here. is kind of how it goes with these slasher movies. You start rooting for the villain eventually. I think it's because the heroes in those movies become disposable, and yeah. especially by the time you get to like you know fourth, fifth, sixth movie. Well, yeah, rarely do you even have a consistent character that goes from movie to movie. There's two. There's two. I think that you have um, Nancy, who's the protagonist in one and three, and then you yeah, have yeah. But there you go, one and three, and then yeah. I think her name is Alice or something, who's like in four and five or three and four. Um, but generally speaking, since they all die, like you all, and you already know kind of what you're going in for when you buy a ticket to this movie. You know not to form any attachments to these kind of uh, shapeless characters that they are. Um, so you form your attachment to Freddy and it, the fun becomes yeah. him. And so the, he loses his scariness as a villain over time, like that erodes, but he doesn't lose any of his like kind of staying power, which is interesting. Yeah. Thank God they stopped before he became like a good guy. <laughs> if they had kept going, it'd eventually be like, Oh, Freddy. Yeah, you you either die a, li- a villain or you live long enough to see yourself become the hero. <laughs> That's what they say in the yeah. slasher circles. Uh, yeah, so the first movie, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, we can go through the plot. It's not really that important. It's it's a classic uh, situation where a bunch of teenagers have to kind of face off against an, uh, an unseen threat and no one believes them. It's the no one believes them part that I think is the most effective because it – you know, this movie is, it's still of its time. Like it's very much, you know, of 1984. Um, and you Features think about young Johnny Depp, the first role, 
out of the gate, uh, young Johnny Depp. Um, but you think of like, say, The Breakfast Club, which comes out, I think, what, a year or two later as kind of this thesis on like what it means to be a teenager. And this movie traffics in some of the same tropes about teenagers, but I think a lot of it is this feeling of like, as a teenager, it's it's us against them, them being adults, right? Right. And here it's, uh, I think I even read something that Robert England looked at the character this way and saying he felt like Freddie was in a way a manifestation of parental neglect. I love that when actors do shit like that. I mean, of course they do. Of course they're going to dissect the character on that level. You know, uh, I remember reading that Peter Weller had like worked with uh, like a famous mime or something to get like his movement down for Robocop. Mm-hmm. And then what happened was then they showed up with this big clunky suit. It was like a last minute thing. Mm-hmm. And all that work went out the window. <laughs> yeah. It was a much more like fluid, elegant suit before that. But anyway, I-, I love that. I love the work and the thought that goes into these things. And I don't think he's wrong. I think there is a lot to this, that sense of like the kids in this movie, um, feel uh, like abandoned by you know the adults they're they're off doing other things and even when they're being told directly no there's this threat it's real um i've seen crazy shit happen um supernatural things they are not believed at all thus leading right, and the bodies are piling up and i i think there's a lot of uh willful sort of uh rationalizations that are going on yeah, the first one, I think it looks like a suicide. I think it's a guy like in his prison cell or maybe uh, it's the second that's one. That's the or second one. The first one's the girl yeah. who. Um, uh, right. And they think he did it. Right. She gets uh, he slashes her in the dream and he's like kind of on top of her. And they right. do this amazing shot where um, she is uh, in a they've crafted this set that looks you know, it's her bedroom and they put it inside a giant. Um, I don't know what you call this thing, a gimbal. So they can turn the entire room upside down and at various angles. And because the camera is fixed, nothing appears to move except her. So she right. is flailing around so she's on moving the all around, yeah. Yeah, getting slashed yeah. to death. Um, yeah. And that is kind of one of the more iconic shots of that movie. Um, the tongue coming effective. out of the phone's pretty good, too. Yeah, the pudding stairs is good. The, the fountain of blood that comes out of Johnny Depp. Is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. He gets like pulled stuff. into the bed or something. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff. I mean, that's the thing. It's like when you have dream logic, you can. There's an unlimited number of ways to kill people. Yeah, either the none of the just as in real dreams, the the logic doesn't apply. Physics doesn't apply. It's all yeah. it's all uh, uh, magical. Um, and what I like about at least the first movie is they don't tip you off right away as to when a dream has started. It's not like, you know, the character, like sometimes you'll see the characters kind of like, you know, their eyelids get heavy. Um, <clears throat> right, right. But it's not like they their eyelids open and suddenly the world is like at oblique angles. and Right. Like, so you don't need, you're not even sure you're in the dream yet. Right. It takes a while before you start to realize, oh, no, they've fallen asleep. That's really smart. Yeah. Yeah. That transition, the, the lack of a transition there is fantastic for upping the tension. Um, but before we get too far down the road, I kind of thought, you know, since inst- in lieu of, um, Having these discussions about, you know, the character's basics, um, I was going to ask you about kind of your first introduction to the character. Like, do you remember, like, the first time you saw a, a Nightmare on Elm Street movie or your relationship well, with the character? Well, this is one of those things where I think we were exposed to this character <laughs> at a much younger age than we should have been. You know, this is speaking of neglectful parenting, I feel like our generation 
more and more, I feel like this is not a new concept for an oldie to be like, ah, oh, we're coddling the kids. But I mean, yeah, I'm sure I was watching Nightmare on Elm Street movies when I was, before I was like 10 years old, you know, or at least aware of them. And because he was becoming like this, this figure, I remember I, another old thing that's not around anymore, these 900 numbers that you could call and they weren't all sexual. I mean, they were like these like, Saturday morning cartoon characters and like get a new message from from Krusty, right? You know, every time you call in. And I definitely racked up some phone bills on a Freddy Krueger one. Uh, And there was probably even a contest involved too. Like if you call enough times, you might win, you know, I don't know, a dream dream date with Freddy. Who the hell knows what it was? But uh, I remember that. I do remember that, that I called in on this this number with uh, Freddy Krueger. And he was... You know, my brother was into him too, and I feel like uh, my older brother, and so that, so I was kind of into him by proxy. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, 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 that's what I remember about it. I don't remember exactly the progression of me watching these movies, and and every so often I've come back and I've been like, oh, I should go check them out. I know I've seen one and two, and then I saw three a lot later. I was like, oh, I should see the Dream Warriors. And I think, and then I saw um, six in theaters because I was like old enough to do it. So it's kind of a patchwork for me uh, in terms of, of of these movies. I'm aware of them. I I'm definitely somebody who likes to be who likes to know what what happened in them, even if I haven't seen them. So I could speak, I think a little bit about the plot of each one, like the Dream Child and all this stuff. I kind of know about some of them. And then the, there was the Psychic Girl. Was was that the? It wasn't called that, but it was like the fourth one, right? Where there was like I a. I think that's four or five. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So that's kind of a muddled answer. But the 900 call, that I remember. Hmm. See, I, my relationship to it was a little different because I, I did have the parents that were uh, you know, not as willing to let me watch scary movies. So this one – and I was the older child, so I didn't have an older sibling to kind of uh, get them to me. I did have a friend, as all of us did, whichever friend uh, had the more permissive parents when you had a sleepover at that person's house, then you would be more likely to see horror movies and stuff. But somehow we didn't – Nightmare on Elm Street wasn't on the menu. I remember seeing other movies that I was too young for at, at that friend's house, but not this particular one. And like I what? That, what did you see? Uh, gosh, I, maybe uh, one of the Friday the 13th. Um, oh, that's so much worse. That's so yeah, much I, maybe worse. some other stuff. Uh, some like, you know, com- I remember seeing like Porky's, like comedies I shouldn't have seen. Um, sure. But this particular one kind of escaped me, and I didn't really see a Freddy movie. Until I saw the first one, I actually saw was uh, number six, Freddy's Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you see it in theaters? No, I I saw it. I remember I was at my house, and I can't remember who I saw it with. It was not my parents, and I mean, I I still I knew who Freddy was. I knew everything I needed to know just from osmosis. You couldn't not know it by that point. Um, but that's what. But because like we talked about, there's this continuum where the character goes farther and farther into the funny spectrum than the scary spectrum that like, yeah, that one had like, I believe you forgot the power glove. It did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so like I remember thinking like Nintendo this Nintendo power glove. Yeah. And my, so my thought was like, well, this isn't scary. I, I, I mean, I had a hunch that the earlier movies were scarier. And by the time you got to six, that was not the case. Yeah. Um, so that was my first official Freddy movie that I saw. I didn't actually see the original nightmare on Elm street till I was in maybe my twenties. Um, yeah, I don't remember um, exactly that. So that was my first exposure to uh, the character. And it wasn't until uh, my uh, my wife, who is kind of a big Freddy fan, and she's definitely sorry, that person. Say again? Uh, my wife. 
You know, is that how you're supposed to say it? My wife? What do you mean? No, that's not how you say it. That's how you pronounce it. Uh, my wife? <laughs> I'm not sure what you're looking There we go. <laughs> <laughs> It's also we're on like a we're trying to do a video call, so there's like this weird delay. Too. Oh. Did he do it? Okay, he did. It. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. My wife, uh, thank you, uh, is very much a fan of Nightmare on Elm Street, and so we went out of our way to do like a movie by movie rewatch. So uh, at that point, I had seen one and six, and maybe bits of some of the others, but that was my first time really sitting down. Like I had definitely never seen two or uh, you know four or five. Sorry, Sorry, did you actually go through the whole series? We went through. Sense? We went. We watched every single one, including. Uh, New Nightmare and the remake, which I think I had all seen at some point before. And then um, the only one I haven't seen is Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, yeah. Still I've haven't seen that, seen that one. It's it's okay. Um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, all right. I'll okay. Yeah. Well, it's at the risk of being horribly stereotypical. I kind of get the sense that this character seems to be popular among women, which I, I have no idea why. This is my like very anecdotal experience with this. She still finds... But again, when I brought it up that we were doing... Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say my my wife Amy still finds the original one scary. Like we had talked about watching it as, as in prep for this podcast, and she was like, "I don't want to lose sleep." You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. No, I mean you it know. is. It's scary. I mean, this. Uh, I don't know, by the way, if that's true in terms of the demographics of like Nightmare on Elm Street fans, where they fall. Uh, horror is often, you know, I think a kind of a weirdly feminist genre. Uh, because you often have the the final girl, you know, protagonist, and in this case, it's you know, so much of the themes are about not being believed and stuff like that. I mean, it's a resonant concept. Yeah, I I agree with that. And also, we were sort of talking about know. how Dracula is a predator. Freddy's a predator. Yeah, he is not a um, a pedophile in the original movie. In fact, supposedly there was some of that stuff in the script. And Wes Craven took it out deliberately because there had yeah, been. Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's I think yeah. that's wise because you can sort of infer, but that's definitely a hard element to put into your your fun escapist horror film about a guy who can go into your dreams. Yeah, and also I think you never would have gotten the funnier versions of Freddy that came later because you can't make, <laughs> no. you, you can't make that into a, a charming character at that point. Yeah, it's no, too no, monstrous. No, 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 no. Murder we're okay with, but that is uh that's a There's no far. second act for Freddy's comedy career after that. <laughs> no. Just ask Louis are, CK. Yeah, uh, sorry. <laughs> Freddy um, CK. <laughs> but yeah, they Watch so, me touch myself, Nancy. <laughs> Um, but they did put that back in for the 2010 remake. That they, that is an element. I know. And I, when I heard that, I was like, this is so uninspired. Like, you're just going through the list of, like, what could you do? All right, we'll put that in. What would make oh, it worse? It's a terrible idea to do that. It's just clearly. You know, it was a what? Bu- what, was, what was a bummer about it was you spend a lot of that movie um, in doubt as to whether Freddie, in fact, was wrongly accused. Like, oh, they, they. And then at the end, it's like. No, no he did it. What? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, you, you almost had it there. Like the idea that like maybe he was, you know, an innocent victim and is just a vengeful his, spirit right, yeah. vengeful, as opposed to being, well, he's vengeful, but, you know, he still had to go, you know. Right, right. Um, okay, I feel like that, that we've covered one pretty well, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- two is actually, there's a, an interesting sort of fan theory about two. Are you familiar with this? You're talking about, I think I know what you're talking about, but go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So, so two is for a long time, at least was 
not very well regarded. Uh, for one thing, I think Freddy's like the only returning character, or maybe maybe there's like a coach or something. No, no, like something. Uh, yeah, there might be some minor characters, but he is terrorizing people who have subsequently moved into Nancy's house after she left her and her family. Right, right. So that's you're already off to a kind of a weak start. Was Wes Craven even involved in this one? I don't no. think so. He wasn't involved yeah. so there's a, at that point. So there's a lot of a lot of things working against it. But it's worth a rewatch because people have interpreted it as a metaphor for growing up gay or coming out of the closet. Yeah, um, the, this gay the main character. character, his experience. Yeah, right. He's in theory he's supposed to, uh, struggling with his sexuality, and we should point out that in this movie, which is the only one that has this element, um, Freddie is uh, possessing him. Right. That's his right. way. Another thing that back. sort of takes it out of the series, like we've added a new rule, superpower. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we should talk about the ending of one a little bit, I think, in that, um, what's one of the, one of the things that's cool about the ending is that it's indeterminate, right? She goes, we, we learn that, um, just as Freddie can harm you in your dreams. Well, are we going to, we're going to spoil the ending. I just want to, oh yeah, yeah, of course. Obviously it baked into talking about endings is spoiler alert. Right. Um, they learn that if you can pull things out of the dream world into the real world, if you're if you're clutching something when you wake up, it will be there in the real world with you. And so they figure out that if we can do that with Freddy, we can bring him into the real world where he will be vulnerable, which they do, and they sp- seemingly kill him. And then immediately there's this sur- – it's sur- in a surreal way – shifts back into the dream world where everything is like bucolic. Nancy hops into a convertible. The top rolls up and it's red and green. And then it just drives off with laughter. Right. And it's right. Like, yeah. You know, it's, what just happened? I mean, I interpreted that as a negative ending. Like Freddie somehow is still in charge and wins. Right. That the scene where she seemingly beats him is still a dream. She never actually it's in and of itself out. a dream. It's like a dream within a dream. Yeah. Um, so, and since Freddie never really dies in any of these things, you're always sort of left with that sense of like, well, how do we kill him this time? What can, you know, if we're going to keep bringing him back and back and back, you have to keep concocting ways they, they're going to try and seemingly succeed to kill him in case it's the last one. And then a way you can undo that immediately. Right. I mean that in subsequent ones, we're coming up with new ways to kill him. Now, can we talk about the gay nightmare in Elm Street? Oh, Yes. (laughs) By all means. Although, I don't really remember much beyond that. I had a similarly dark ending, if I recall. There's some, like, crazy scene at a pool party. I kind of remember that. Where mm-hmm. he's, like, running around. Freddy is, like, running around just stabbing people left and right. Which doesn't feel very Freddy to me. He's it's usually... It's not imaginative, that's for sure. No, it's usually... He's usually just sort of one-on-one. He confronts you in your dreams. He transforms into something, perhaps... Uh, or just yeah, like if you're afraid of buses, he'll become a bus and run over you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so I, the, I don't know what more needs to be said about two. I mean, it's uh, it is. No, that's the notable thing about two. If you if that if yeah. that piques your interest, check out two. That's I I believe it's not even just a fan theory. I think it's kind of like explicitly been stated by the writer. I, I believe. Um, yeah, I believe that I watched some something with the director talking about it, and he. Right. I can't remember if he, if he directly confirmed it, but he certainly didn't deny it. He you know, made it sure. sound like that was what he wanted from the beginning. Um, and then there's three, the Dream Warriors. Yeah. Notable for the Dawkins song of the same name. Ah, this is when we start getting some of these awesome Nightmare on Elm Street needle drops. Yeah. Uh, I'll be excited. I don't actually don't know 
when these other ones came out. Uh, and so uh, let's just pause here and talk about the two, no less than two rap songs <laughs> that have to do with the events of Nightmare on Elm Street. There's uh, Fresh Prince, Will Smith, if you don't know him as the Fresh Prince. But uh, Fresh Prince and uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff have a song, Nightmare on My Street, mm-hmm. which is pretty good. It tells you it's all about how they encounter Freddy. Typical uh, 80s rap song with like, it's literally just like, I'm explaining to you what happened. It was burning in my room like an oven. My bed soaked with sweat. And man, I was bugging. <laughs> that an actual lyric? A lot of it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I looked at my clock. It had stopped at 1230. It had melted. It was so darn hot. And I was thirsty. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Will Smith anyway, in his old uh, rhyming dictionary. Yeah, well, the the other one, so that's pretty good. That's a good one, clearly, as I've demonstrated. And then the the discerning Freddy Krueger rap fans are aware of the Fat Boys, um, Ready for Freddy, <laughs> and that one's great. It has their distinctive <laughs> in it, and uh, it's pretty 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 good. Uh, uh, another one where Freddy shows up. Now this one. I think Nightmare on Elm Street, I believe, or sorry, Nightmare on My Street, I think was kind of like an unauthorized one. I think it was a little bit more of a parody, whereas Ready for Freddy, Robert Englund is actually in it, hmm. voicing Freddy, you know, when he pops up. And he does do, my name is Freddy, and I'm here to say, I'll wrap you up and take you away. Jeez. Oh, I, I want to know, like, is that, out is on it, YouTube. has anyone chased down the origin of my name is blank and I'm here to say? <laughs> I, I want to know, like, what's the first rap song where somebody did that? <laughs> I'm here to kill you in your dreams in a major way. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I love, I love Ready for Freddy. I legitimately love that song. Well, they're both going I mean, into the my fat boys uh, with their with their sure. just their antics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like a haunted house running up against Freddy. Uh, you know, but that is part of him as this transmedia property, right? Like, I bet there was a breakfast cereal yeah, at some point. Uh, there probably you know, they, was. Have you looked I mean, that up? Uh, I could. Yeah. We, I mean, we, they, de- we tend to not do re- research live on the uh, on the show here, but I think that's worth looking up. Freddy Krueger breakfast cereal. Freddy Mercury cereal? No. There should be a Freddy Mercury cereal. It's the breakfast of champions. Queenios. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, these might all be made up ones. Ah, uh, that's too bad. Yeah, they're all made up ones. There should have been one though. You're right. Oh. Fruity Krueger. It's <laughs> a good, uh, good idea. Um, I, I, I think it's what's cool about three is this is when we start getting more of his backstory. Um, I think it's interesting. Usually, the more you delve into a character's backstory, you kind of demystify them. Um, but I think all of the stuff they did about Freddy's backstory, even in in um, six, which gives you a heaping dose of it, is pretty effective. At, at characterizing him. So in three, we learn that he was, uh, his mother was a, uh, a nun who worked in an, a mental institution who was somehow accidentally locked in with the inmates one night and they all uh, have their way with her, thus leading to him being dubbed the son of a hundred maniacs. Son of a hundred maniacs, son of a hundred man. That's what the kids, I believe, chanted at him. Yeah, which which implies that the kids somehow are aware of that fact. Which not sure yeah, how that would be widely shared, but well, back then, you know, you didn't shield kids quite so much. Yeah, as we've discussed. Uh, yeah. So that's in that's in three that we learned this. Yeah, and I, or six. Uh, okay, three. They, three. They they revisit and that. Three is a little the bit. one. Is three the one where they have to like 
find his bones and like yes. dig up his his bones. They have to bury his bones in hallowed ground. That will stop him from uh, uh, haunting their dreams. Now, this is something that definitely links it up with the Friday the Thirteenth movies, as you mentioned. You know, you're always looking for new ways to kill kill the bad guy, whether you're electrocuting him or encasing him in cement or just like holding hands and saying you forgive him, <laughs> like mm-hmm. whatever it is. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to do it this time. Yeah. Uh, it actually works, though. I think that what ends up happening is they undo it in number four. Like, they somehow, like, the bones get moved or something. But if they had, if they yeah, left it alone, a mall it would have Or something, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so that, and, and Dream Warriors, they call it the Dream Warriors because, like, I vaguely remember this, but, like, somebody is basically recruiting these kids it's to go into Nancy. their dream. Nancy, oh, Nancy's doing it. Okay. Yeah. To go and fight Freddy. Yeah, they're, the like, they're training in lucid dreaming. So that ah, they, so can, they can control the dream. Yes, and and basically take the fight to Freddy in the dream world. Right, um, and it's I think that one's pretty effective. That's another one that's actually Wes Craven. So you've got his um, his imprimatur behind it. Um, but and this I, is also yeah. the one where you get the you start getting these more imaginative kills. Yes, he starts doing more of the like transforming. Um, the puns, right? The, the stuff. There's like a drug him. addict girl or whatever, and so his like knives become syringes. Yeah. yeah, and he like jams it into her and ODs her and stuff like that. And yeah. of course, the the one who gets he becomes a TV set and uh, just picks her up like into the TV set and kills her, just like, like crushing her head. And yeah. what, what's the line? I, I'm like, it's something, I, I don't remember something about Prime, but it's probably something like I want my Fred TV. No, it's 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 a more like classic line of something like ready for prime time, bitch. Is, is the oh, line. yeah, yeah. Which apparently he drops, he, he drops uh, the B word a lot, which he improvised. Apparently that line is not the line from the <laughs> script. But <laughs> oh, one of his more well-known ones. Everyone, now everyone just like stop me. Like, whoa, whoa, Robert. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> not cool. You know, his, uh, here's my other. Uh, chi- I forgot. Warriors. Yeah, oh. I forgot to mention my other uh, childhood sort of quote unquote experience with uh, this to, to the extent it is one. But um, your childhood I, experience with Freddy that does not sound right. Well, I grew up in um, in Laguna Beach, California, and Robert England's house was in the same town, and so which is it's a relatively small city. So I, unfortunately, I never had the pleasure of this experience, but there were definitely days when like kids came into school and be like, I ran into Freddie at the grocery store. Um, <laughs> so it, I, it never he happened. He organic eggs. <laughs> yeah. So it never happened to me, but um, it, it could have. Um, but that was, again, that, that feeling of like, oh, like Freddie's around. Like he's just, he's, he's in, always around. He's Doug. at the, he's he's at the hardware around. store. He's buying arugula. Look out. Yeah. Okay. So then four, I, four is like a gap in my knowledge. Is me that, too. That I feel like is the one where it's like. His daughter or something? No, that's six. Six oh, is six. That's six. He's got a daughter. All right. Yeah, so and a wife and a kid. F- but his four one there's like psychic, psychic yeah, stuff. Yeah, I believe that's psychic time. Uh, that's the one psychic with Pat- time. Patricia Arquette. Borrow from the Shining. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, she's. Do you remember the, the name of it? I don't even remember the name of it. Of number four, uh, Dream Master. Ah, you go from Dream Master. Warrior to Dream Master. So I think that's why. Yeah, she's. Once psychic. I was the Dream Warrior. Now I am the Dream Master. Yeah. Uh, I well, if, if we both don't remember it very well, I don't think there's much to say here other than Patricia Arquette's in it. Yep, that's that's about it. Good. Moving on. To the uh, dream child. The the dream child. Yes. This now one's weird. From master to child. Yeah. So he's trying to be reborn. Is that kind of the idea? 
Oh, they always eventually get to that point, right? It's like there's the progression of the of the things that like Chucky, you know, being reborn and getting into space eventually. I'm surprised we never got a Nightmare on Elm Street in space. In fact, when you think about it, with like cryo sleep, kind of writes itself. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he never made it into space. Okay, he's trying to be reborn. Yeah, there's like an evil like Freddy fetus. Is that it? Is that all, is that all we know? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I, but I think it says something that we don't remember a lot of these things because they they bleed together. They are kind of non indistinct. They're still fun to watch because the character sure. is still um, just he's entertaining. Like he's the second he's on screen, you're like, I'm in. What's he gonna do next? You know? What? Yeah, and they're of their time, so now they have that kind of charm. Oh yeah, there's definitely you know the old school special effects that they use yeah. for him. Um, uh, but six, I remember a little bit better because I actually saw it, and that helps. And I saw it in theaters. And this is the one I guess you're saying where he's got a daughter. Yeah, the main character it re- comes to realize she is Freddy's daughter. That you know after he is he he's caught and murdered, and I guess she's at a pretty young age, so she goes into a foster home and doesn't remember a lot of it. So some of the, some of the movie is her eventually. Um, reclaiming that knowledge of who she really was—that he had a, a a wife who he killed. We also see a lot of his like childhood. We see him being taunted. We see him killing his abusive adopted. I think this is the one where you hear like one, two, Freddy's coming for you in six. I feel that, like that goes all the way back. Oh, that, we've had that. We've had that before. Okay. Yeah, I think that goes back Three, to like the original. Four, better lock your door. <laughs> I know this. Yeah. I could go on and on. I like that nursery rhyme um, aspect of it. Because Are you doing it with Celeste? <laughs> no, no, we will not be doing that. No, no Just uh, exposure. Mr. Tentacles. To her. Um, no, the um, what I like about it is again the 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 scarier part of this character is that he haunts your dreams, uh, making him inescapable, and that he preys on children. To the point where, like, that the the presence of that nursery rhyme tells you that, like, he's folklore now. You know, like, you know, uh, same with, like, even the claws, yeah. kind of like the old, like, oh, the guy with the hook for a hand story. And making him into right. a ghost story. Slender kinda, Man. Yeah. Like he, um, it, it makes him more omnipresent. And there's something that, like, it goes back to, like, everybody kind of remembers those things from childhood. Like, whether it's, like, saying Bloody Mary in a mirror um or or things like that like he he becomes one of those uh, sure in his scarier incarnation so i like the nursery rhyme, but, and they yeah. definitely started to i think it was in freddy versus jason started to add this idea that he becomes stronger the more he's feared yeah he's one of those villains for sure that like the, the, right the, i think that and comes i don't from think that, that was always earlier than that well they, they started they using it in uh it's a direct plot point in freddy versus jason in which he basically resurrects Jason to put some fear out there so that Freddy can be strong enough to come back. Okay. That's kind of the initial plot point there that he, he kind of, I think he impersonates Jason's mother and like gets him to go out and <laughs> kill again. Oh, great. Uh, it's not, it's not, the, it's like, it's not that bad. I mean, some of these, some of these later ones are not are actually not that bad. Um, I didn't get to the part that Sex was, again has uh, a pretty, go- pretty nice uh, Nintendo riff in it. Yeah. Uh, the thing I wanted to mention about the uh, Freddie killing his adopted father, though, is that his adopted father is played by Alice Cooper. <laughs> oh, <laughs> which is weird. Who, who, uh, by the way, has a pretty good Friday the Thirteenth song, "Man Behind the Mask," and, and he uh, wants to feed his Frankenstein as well. 
<laughs> Feed. <laughs> uh, and then you get okay. So this one you seem to know a little bit more about. I, I know a little bit about New Nightmare. This was the this is Wes Craven returning to the series, and it was a reimagining, and it was it was a movie that can I can I do a little bit of what I know about? Yeah, yeah, sure. It'll be it'll be pretty brief, but it's it takes place in the quote unquote real world, so it's not in the world of the Nightmare on Elm Street to the point where like Wes Craven is a character. He plays himself. So does uh, uh, Heather Langenkamp, who's uh, who played Nancy. Right, yeah. she plays herself. Uh, no Johnny Depp. Right. So oh, it well. it's meta in the sense that it's sort of sorry he didn't come back. Yeah. Yeah. So it uh, it's meta in the sense that it takes place in the real world, and so somehow there's like this this spirit or something that is able to sort of become Freddy, right? It basically and, and, it's like and, a, and, yeah yeah bring him to demon. life into in our world. It's a demon yeah. that like um, seizes on the like uh, the character most Freddy. popular franchise available essentially yeah like it's like it takes the form of freddy to torment these people but it is it isn't freddy in any sense of like being this vengeful child murderer right uh, right know, it just he is just basically mimicking freddy yeah the other thing we learn about freddy in the later movies is that like the reason he's able to do what he does is that he as he was burning alive these dream demons came to him and basically said, we'll put you to work. You, know, you can live forever, but you're going to work for us as a, a murdering people in dreams. So he's like, yes, I want that deal. So like part of it is like, I think he's collecting souls. And then later on, those dream demons were like, you said we wouldn't find anybody coming to Elm Street. You didn't think we'd get anybody. Shut up. <laughs> They're dumb looking too. That, that's the one that's uh, it's got a segment in 3D. And it's real hokey looking uh, 3D effects on these demons. They look sort of like they're made out of paper mache. Like they're they're weird. Oh, okay. Which one is this? Six. Three, you said? This is oh, six. six but oh, earlier, I should rewatch six. I forgot about that. Yeah, but earlier in the series, they introduced this idea that like Freddy's got a bunch of like faces on his stomach that like the, the people he's. Oh, killed, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. These part- are the people, yeah, he's killed. Yeah. Yeah. So. He like collects their souls. They kind of added that idea in that if Freddy kills you, you're, he like has you. Right. Right, and I think that's the idea where the demons come in. Is that like he's he owes them a debt or something? So that's why he's collecting these souls. Um, and I think that's kind of like man, older, that guy just know. can't. He can't be anything but a fucking working stiff his whole life. Yeah, yeah. I don't like that idea so much because it, it makes him it, like basically he's a contractor. You know, like it, it seems yeah, like he should be the yeah. top of the food chain. Yeah, he's like, oh man, I'm gonna have to pay so many of these souls back in taxes with interest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making as many souls as I think I am. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Um, but I think that's, that's all, all we kind of have for the characters, like content, I think. Yeah. I mean, he's just been in so many movies. Yeah. It's just like, it, you really could just go on and on. I mean, the bulk of the podcast talking about them, but yeah. yeah. And then in Freddy versus Jason, I, the only other thing I want to say about that, I already kind of gave you the setup for it. Uh, it's a tough one because it's sort of like when DC goes up against Marvel and it's like an agreement between two different properties. A lot of suits in a boardroom are discussing like, well, uh, you know, who who should win? You know, Right. <laughs> and it's got to be my guy. Uh, and I think it's it's sort of a stalemate, obviously. It won't right. surprise anyone. Spoiler, but it won't surprise anyone to know. that There's no definitive winner out of that one. No. So it's a little inherently unsatisfying. Um. I feel like that's been this. They did that the same thing with Alien versus Predator. It's like you know we we can't have a definitive winner because then whichever side loses, their fans will be you know annoyed. So that's even right, if one of them right. seemingly wins, they do the the classic horror movie stinger at the end where it's you know it's still alive somehow. 
I think Freddy versus Jason might be one of those ones with an alternate ending that you can look up. You know, uh, they might yeah. have it kind of both ways or yeah i don't know you check it out i mean it's not something that you uh should have any trouble finding yeah. um yeah so those are all the cinematic uh, incarnations i believe of freddy oh we didn't really talk about the remake and i don't really need to talk too much about it this no. is the one where uh jackie, jackie earl haley he, yeah he rorschachs uh, it up yeah i don't know is there anything you, you saw it is there anything you i don't ha- on that one i don't hate it um i i actually there's there's a lot to like about it um, I do think Jackie Earl Haley does a good job trying to portray the scarier version of Freddy. He's not the punster he is, which is makes sense because they're working off the first movie. Um, right, back to basics. Back to basics, Freddy. So that works. Um, they can. The the only problem is is just there's just nothing new they can do. You know, like because the character by this movie, remake was done in 2010, and I forget when uh, Freddy's Dead came out, the number six, but you know that it was it had been it was definitely in the 90s at the latest you know probably the early 90s uh perhaps but th- you know th- there was nothing more to add to this character he had completely penetrated the zeitgeist you know he's, he's everybody's so favorite monster um so i i feel like it was a little bit of a thankless thing for for Jackie Earl Haley he does a, a perfectly admirable admirable job with a an extremely difficult assignment but you know, at the end of the day, it's it's serviceable at best. It's not an embarrassment. It's just like kind of like, well, we already have a nightmare on Elm Street, and it's fine. So we didn't need this. Well, that's that's my yeah. take on it. It's not it's not not entertaining. You know, you'll you'll there's some joy. I to think be uh, I always like to imagine the the puns that the critics have to come up with when they're trashing a movie. <laughs> it's like new Nightmare on Elm Street shits the bed. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what would, what would it have been? Oh man, uh, it's already got. It's already. I talk about a nightmare, but anyway, uh, yeah, I just it didn't take off as these yeah, uh, remakes. They really were here. sleepwalking through this one. Mm, boy, yeah, uh, yeah. So th- them's the movie uh, Freddy's, and then as we mentioned, he kind of popped up. It's sort of like when they made the Crypt Keeper a cartoon character, like he had his own Saturday morning cartoon. Freddy did pop up in some more. Uh, accessible media, uh, the phone number, and then the anthology series. I think it's Freddy's, Freddy's Nightmares, Nightmares. I think it might have been called. Yeah, it's Freddy's Nightmares. And he, I think Fred, I think I think Freddy hosts it. Yes, Robert Englund is playing Freddy. He always plays. No one ever plays Freddy except for the one remake, uh, Freddy. And he hosted it, and it was pretty weak. Uh, it does have a pretty awesome. Uh, awesomely terrible acting performance from Brad, a young Brad Pitt Mm. in it. And I love it because you look at that guy and he's just stinking up the gym. And then you go, man, there's hope for all of us. (laughs) (laughs) This guy really did not know how to act at all. And he became a great actor. So anyway, that, that I remember about Freddy's nightmares. And I think I watched it once or twice as a kid and it was like a guilty pleasure. Like, Ooh, finally, you know, I get a chance to, to watch these things. And it's nothing like that. You know, it's a total twilight zone type thing that has nothing to do with Freddy, except he pops up and has some, something to say about the story you just watched. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's everybody's favorite monster. Like, and it's interesting. He, he comes in, I don't want to say at the tail end of this, um, this kind of genre, this 80s slasher genre, but I was trying to figure out, you know, who, who was, who came out first. And so Texas Chainsaw Massacre is like 1974. 
Uh, we get Halloween in 78, I think, for Michael Myers. And uh, Friday the 13th, the first one is, is 1980. Jason Voorhees really becomes a thing in the sequel. And he gets his trademark hockey mask in number three, which comes out in 1984, the same year as uh, the original Nightmare on Elm Street. So it's not like Freddy is, um, you know, the the progenitor of this kind of character, but he kind of just takes the ball and just runs away with the whole game. Yeah, I, I haven't seen any polling on this, but I feel like he's got to be the most popular of the slasher characters. I'd be shocked if he wasn't. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll get to some of these other ones eventually, but none of them are as fun. Like there's just something f- he makes this. That's stuff- what, yeah. yeah. yeah it's a- I mean, they're, they're, Michael Myers is kind of interesting because they, they give him like a backstory, which may or may not be worth looking into, but yeah, none of them are, have any personality compared to Freddie. Well, most who's of them just don't like talk overloaded with personality. Most of them don't talk at all, you know, so they, they don't yeah. give you much to work with. I think pinhead's kind of interesting. Because he's so different. But he's not even really the bad guy in the Hellraiser movies. He's sort of a they he was a character that wasn't even at the center of it and then they kind of made him the mascot for the, the series, you know? Yeah, he becomes that and he you know, he um uh, th- their interests uh, kinda are in the in sort of the way that like Cthulhu was, like they they are indifferent to humanity, so it's a little the hard Cenobites? to call the Cenobites, yeah. So they're not they they aren't exactly evil in the traditional sense. Certainly not the way Freddy is. No, no, um, they're just interested in the ecstasy of pain, yes, um, sure. the bondage universe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So so good. That I mean, there was there's a lot of just stuff to unpack uh, in terms of pure narrative with Freddy, and we've done it. Mm-hmm. So let's talk. Let's talk elementals with him. Yeah, I, and I think especially when it comes to elementals, you're looking mostly at the first movie. Um, because we're usually looking at the elementals of something that makes a character tick and work as an evil villain. Um, and because the comedy sort of saps that a bit, um, I think, you know, look, you, the, the key one to me is the inescapability. You like, got to sleep. You have to. There's no, there, at some point you will give in to sleep. Um, and that's great. Like, you know, they don't have a, I mean, there's some stuff in the um, first movie about them drinking lots of coffee. Um, and, and that to try and stay awake, which they don't do as much as the series goes on. But was there ever a bit in one of the movies where someone has their hand put in a warm bowl of water? <laughs> God, I hope so. I don't. Think and then so. they pee blood. No. <laughs> 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 well, that's my pitch. If we make a another reboot, mm-hmm. that Freddie has to like sneak in and put someone's hand in a warm bowl of water, and then they're like. Their uh, urethra explodes. Uh, but anyway, yes, no, that's a good point. The inescapability. I mean, it's very elemental. You're very vulnerable in your dreams when you're asleep. You know, when you have a lot of anxiety, it's hard to sleep because it's such a vulnerable state. But you got to do it eventually. And it's a place that's where a you point. normally feel safe. You know, like this is rest, right? This is a time where you can relax. Right, right. Relax. Yeah, not even in sleep can you escape. Yeah, and you can get you anywhere. It doesn't matter where you are, as long as you're asleep. He gets he gets a free pass. Yeah. Oh boy, sleep. That's where I'm a Viking. Right, um, right. <laughs> uh, have you ever? Do you have any like super memorable nightmares? Because I feel like that's part of it is the universality of that experience of having a nightmare. Um, where I fought Freddy? No, <laughs> no. <I'm, laughs> I woke up one. Yes, if you have one. No, I, I don't. I don't. Do do people have memorable nightmares? You mean like recurring nightmares? Even just one that or was like a nightmare that was so memorable, yeah. I still talk about it. Yes, one that was like uh, so. My scary. nightmare is hearing people talk about their dreams. <laughs> yeah, it's usually not good. But I, I thought really if you had a real don't like good it. Singer. 
Yeah, because it didn't happen, and it's like really bad storytelling most of the time. It just kind of meanders. Yeah. So that's no, I don't, Doug. For the sake of our listeners, I don't. But do you? <laughs> um, I can remember some some vague ones from when I was a kid of like just you know being at a friend's house and like a monster attack, but that's not interesting. Uh, the only ones I had that were interesting to me were uh, after my kids were both of my kids were born. Within a few months of them, I remember having some horrendous, just gut-wrenching nightmare about something bad happening to them, which mm. is an experience that, like, um, I don't want to say that, like, if you don't have kids, you won't understand. That's not the case. But if you don't have kids, there's, like, a, a set of, like, emotions that feels qualitatively different that, like, gets unlocked the minute you have kids. It's like, oh, it's like... um it's the emotional equivalent of waking up one day and fi- discovering you can see in infrared and ultraviolet. Like it was there. You just had to sort of learn how to see it. And now you can see these colors that weren't there before. There's a little yeah. bit of that emotionally. Like when you have kids like, oh, like I know what it is to be sad, but it feels different to be sad on your child's behalf or scared for them or th- those things. Just It just feels different. So you can understand what I'm talking about, but you can't. I can't explain to you what it feels like. Um, but it is qualitatively different. So those dreams were absolutely gut wrenching. And I remember waking up and like, just not being able to go back to sleep for a while after when those. you don't have kids, you have this horrible fear of like, you what am I going to do with all this free time? Uh, I think our my quarantine experiences are very <laughs> different. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never know, Doug. You won't know the crushing fear that I have. No, yeah. Uh, no, that makes a lot of sense. So, obviously. yeah, but, but not very sweet. You're clearly a good dad, except for the Cthulhu shit. Yeah. Not um, great. <laughs> not, not a great decision. Uh, Mister- no, I love that. I think that means you're father of the year, actually. Uh, <laughs> that's rarely said in earnest, but I meant it. Oh, earnest. thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So the the inescapability of it, I think that's that's true. I do think people associate the comedy with Freddy. It doesn't make him necessarily like enduring, but that's something you think of just because it's been around longer than it hasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this idea of not being believed. I think that's also also very resonant. You know that he goes after children and they've got no one to turn to. Right. He I preys on people. Another that are, big part of it. He picks out on people that are more more vulnerable. Um, and I don't, I, I was trying to figure out, does he ever even kill any adults in the franchise? He, he tends not to. I, yeah. yeah, I can't think of it. I mean, maybe eventually, but, but rarely. And, uh, he's not somebody you're going to mobilize the national guard against. That's the thing. It's like, not only is he this ephemeral thing, but he's also, no one believes you. So what are you going to do about it? I think those are, those are kind of the core elements to Freddie. Yeah. Uh, and he's got just a great aesthetic, a great iconic weapon, which is always useful. Yeah. You know, in terms of having stain power. Yeah, I I like that. I I like that the victims are. Uh, it's interesting. The victims are all teenagers too. Like when they talk about him killing quote unquote children, we never see him go after like a five year old. Like he he explicitly <laughs> picks a shorter two, movie. You know. Well, it would be, <laughs> you know, I mean, you he could do that. You know, as like a cold open or something and do that. But he, they don't have him do that. And I don't know if it's because they want you to like this character so much that that would be kind of unforgivable. I, yeah, that's a horrible. I mean, that's like such a third rail in movies you know imperiling children it's it's when you do it you better do it tastefully and, and very it better have a real reason for being there narratively so i think that's yeah. a wise decision it's a good point they they say children but they're really teenagers played by adults right so. but i think but i think there's something about that period and we kind of talked about this a little bit with when we referenced the breakfast breakfast club but there's something about that transitional period in your life right they're not quite adults yet but they're being expected to um 
start to act that way, to start to you know think about the world in adult terms. Um, and yet by the same token being treated as children, it's, it's that, you know, that in-between state that I think right, kind of right. makes them It's so easy work. to be dismissive of, oh, you had a bad dream. You know, what a childish thing, right? Right. To be woken up by a bad dream and want to tell somebody, tell your, uh, you know, your parent. Um, Alignment-wise, he's very obviously chaotic evil. We've That's even, even, yeah, we've even said that before as an example. Uh, he's chaotic yeah. evil. Yeah, he um, clearly takes a lot of pleasure out of it, so that's not even a challenge there. Yeah, I think um, I think the fan casting thing we do is a challenge, though. I think okay, I think that's really hard to do because Robert, you know, he played the character for so long, and it's it doesn't he's not like a James Bond where you can kind of like slot in a new Bond and go like, oh well, what's this person going to do with this role? You know, like the the, the character is very much what he did with it. Um, like, yeah. like I said, to the point yeah. where you get really diminishing returns with Jackie Earl Haley, who is doing a perfectly serviceable, competent job of playing the character, but it ain't Freddy. It doesn't, you know, it's just, it's a Freddy, but it's not the Freddy. Yeah, it's tough because, like, you need somebody who can sort of be menacing, but also, I do think, amusing, you know, or unpredictable. Um, that's funny. The other guy who's coming to my mind is Javier Bardem. <laughs> That's a great that choice. Be, if that would work, yeah. And in, in he's so serious in No Country for Old Men, but then in Skyfall, he's such a ham. But also so, menacing sometimes in that movie. Oh, very much so. Yeah. So I guess that would that would be someone I could I could see doing it. I like that. Um, I had not thought of that. I I was just struggling with this the whole way through, um, and. The one thing that thought to me that occurred to me was like what you have to do with it is pick someone who is like, you know, you go with someone who's really in the other direction and you go like, oh, I'm going to pick Paul Dano and you go like Paul Dano as Freddy Krueger. What? And then you go, oh, like it's a Heath Ledger as the Joker situation. Like, well, maybe it right. works. You know, maybe, maybe there's something. Heath Ledger, there. if he was around, might have been great. He actually would have been pretty good, I think. Yeah, doing the Joker. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. but yeah, that's all I can think of was like someone, not necessarily Paul Dano, but, but someone on an order where you go like, well, this person can be a funny person and a serious actor, but gee, they don't seem like physically imposing, um, or, you know, their voice isn't scary, but Freddie's voice is put through a, a filter to sound that way. And he's got a ton of makeup on. So I don't know, like maybe someone more like that could be more interesting than you think if you make them kind of yeah. Psychotic. There's a lot of menacing actors and then there's a lot of quirky, funny actors, but it's rare that you find one that possesses both. Like when I think of like a menacing actor, I'm like, well, you know, Michael Shannon's pretty scary, but he's not very funny. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, or, it's a tough one. Or like, you know, sometimes it backfires. Like we talked about Lex Luthor and like, you know, definitely they went for that with Jesse Eisenberg and they said, well, we'll have him play the character. And like, he can be both funny and kind of, he can play serious roles and, yeah. it, did, and it did not work at all. Um, so. Yeah. And even though he's under all that makeup, it's helpful that, Robert England was an unknown when he did it. You know, That's I mean, true. he got very typecast by the role, and he embraced it to his credit. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you if you put a celebrity in that role, that's a tough one too because you start seeing them. Yeah, you don't. Freddie almost exists out. I mean, yes, it is intrinsically Robert England, but also like it, it's such an iconic character that you couldn't. Um, it's hard to picture anyone else doing it the same way. Like, oh well. We can have actors after Mel Blanc play Bugs Bunny, but they're all they better sound exactly like Mel Blanc because it's, right, it's, just, it's right. not it's okay to just do it impression. Yeah, yeah, like if Bugs That's Bunny, what we want yeah. we want that 
Right. If Bugs Bunny opens his mouth and he doesn't sound like that, your brain goes, uh, not right. It's, it's yeah. Not I mean, there's there. been a number. I mean, as, as all these reboots and reimaginings and prequels and shit have come out, I think that generally it's disappointing if it's a really iconic character. I mean, Solo to me, that, that Star Wars one, it's really like... You can't it's really hard to uh, enjoy anyone else playing Han Solo, and if they're doing it, they better look and sound exactly like Harrison Ford. So, yeah. <laughs> didn't really, yeah, that's a tough thing to pull off. And then it's funny in that one you have uh, uh, Donald Glover doing his best Billy D. Williams. So it's sort of interesting that we have one person definitely doing that and one person definitely not doing that. Although the yeah. guy that got to play Chewbacca, my God, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> looks just like him, just like him. He's like yeah. he hadn't aged at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I so that's the fan casting thing. I like I said, a character like this is very very hard to do. Um, yeah, and that leaves the title fight. And this is a good one. This yeah. is one we've been excited about. Yeah, this is Jack the Ripper versus Freddy Krueger. Uh, yeah, similar to, temperaments in some ways. Yeah, slasher to slasher for sure. Um, and we'd sort of talked about how Jack the Ripper, at least in those letters, had kind of a taunting, playful personality so yeah i think this is a this is a fair matchup in some ways they are the only question is how do you deal with the fact that they're they're kind of separated by the supernatural border um the 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 advantage to jack the ripper i was trying to think like because fred you know freddie never really loses in these movies and you know he goes he's kind of unstoppable and jack the ripper is a, a mortal human he's got to sleep at some point so how does he ever win um but part of it is that I think one, I don't know that he would be scared of Freddy. I feel like, you know, Freddy gets some of his power from fear. Jack the Ripper is most likely an adult. Um, and there's implications in the movies that wait, wait, we might have cracked it. What if Jack the Ripper was a child? Has anyone looked at the children in that time and place? <laughs> yes, they all had uh, rickets and were very <laughs> malnourished. Um, so I feel like he he might have an advantage there in that. You know, there must be a reason Freddy doesn't go after adults. He certainly could, but he doesn't because they don't. Well, that's don't an interesting him, thing. Right? I mean, I you know, it's it's definitely part of his like vengeance, his his predilection, uh, his whatever it is, obsession. You know, with hurting children, which he had before he became a sleep demon. But uh, I think there's also you can make a case for some cowardice there. They're easy targets, right? Right. Even though in theory, if you, if you can't die. And you're a dream demon. Why not? You know, yeah, but maybe, you, you know, he, he, look, he, he in life was going after the vulnerable. Maybe he has maybe he has some regressed elements, you know, maybe he can't bring himself to face off against a full grown adult. I think that's an interesting idea. Yeah. I, I also think there's something to the idea that like, well, they never caught Jack the Ripper. There could be more than one Ripper. You know, there could be, you know, this might be a little harder. No, no, no. Freddie Freddy killed him. No, Freddie got him. Oh, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> You know, it could be a little bit of a, a, a more difficult thing for Freddie to do. It also seems like Freddie can't operate outside of Springwood, Ohio. So <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, this is the thing. We could get into like the how, mm-hmm. uh, but we just let's just assume that let's assume they, that circumstances are such that these are now they're at loggerheads. Yeah, <laughs> let's just say that there can be only one. I don't know why. I just think I it, can't come up with a very easy, elegant solution here. Look, if if Jason couldn't put him down once and for all, I don't know that Jack the Ripper stands a chance. <laughs> Um, well, the edge definitely is going to go with the supernatural character. Yeah. Um, but if 
if Jack the Ripper has any advantages, like you said, it's that he wouldn't be scared probably of Freddy. Uh, he's equally as maniacal and sinister. And so sadistic. that's another and sadistic. So you could see maybe Jack taking some control of his own dream mm-hmm. with his own twisted mind. I could sort of see that. Yeah. And then it just becomes like a wizard's duel. Mm. You know, these two sort of powerful entities with with the ability to warp the reality around them, the dream reality kind of going at each other. That's how I think it would go. Okay. Freddy probably has the advantage because that's his whole thing. That's his whole element. He's got more practice. But that's how I could see it go down. Okay. I yeah. like it. So at least, at least Jack has a fighting chance. Yeah, I could see it going, you know, we could go the Freddy versus Jason route where it's like neither one of them wins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they both lose. Whoever wins, and it's weirdly really ambiguous credits. Yeah. Right, right. Yes, uh, Aliens versus Predator. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's probably the most interesting version of it. But I, my money would be on Freddy, just so that I can give people a clear answer. Cool, I like it. Uh, anything else we want to talk about with our friend uh, Frederick the Kruger? No, I will be hearing from him again though, because he's an I- iconic figure. Yeah, I kind of feel like it's hard to imagine life without Freddy, and there just hasn't been any. Since the 2010 remake, and I feel like there's probably room for someone to give it another try eventually. Certainly there's got to be dollars on the table for someone to, to try it if they think they can do something compelling. And I'd be down if, like, they got the right director. If we can get, like, yeah, Guillermo, Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> Spanish guy del Toro. William. You became the Tasmanian devil for a second. Guillermo del Toro uh, wants Speaking to take of a Mel shot Blank, was, that on, was that a Mel Blanc? Uh, yes, they're all Mel Blanc. Um, okay. So, yeah, I could see that someone like that having an interesting vision for the character and doing something different as opposed to the more paint by numbers. Thing well, do you got. want something different? I mean, that's the question. Do you want something different or do you want more of the same? That's the, every major artist, I guess, uh, Freddie is an iconic artist and his medium is murder, but do, people always want him to do the classics, do the old hits, uh, but they always want to branch out and do something different. I mean, do you want something different? I think you have to, you have to do justice to the character and not, you have you can't remove the core of what makes that character Freddy Krueger, or it does feel too different. But you've got to do something more intelligent than just regurgitate the thing we've seen before, too. That's why it's such a tough assignment if someone wants to take it on. But if someone feels like they have a good take on something to to do with Freddy, yeah, I'd, I'd want to see that. You know, yeah. I, a new generation of dream demons. <laughs> He passes the glove on to Jonah Hill. <laughs> Slasher babies, they make our dreams come true. <laughs> yes. All right. I think that's it, Doug. This is, this is, I think I haven't even really been looking at the clock. Uh, am I already asleep? Um, <laughs> but uh, I think the, the microphone just ate me. Uh, I think... I think it's been kind of a long one. I feel like yeah. we, we've we've done our due here. I think we have. So uh, just a couple of admin things. Of course, uh, if you like the podcast, please like, rate, subscribe, tell your friends. Uh, and uh, most importantly, we'd love to hear from you on Twitter. So go to podcast underscore but at, um, at the old Twittersphere. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, you'll find us there one way or the other, and uh, let us know. Yeah, tell us who you'd like to hear from uh, or hear about, I should say. Yeah, we want to uh, exactly who you think would win in a fight. Um, we haven't 
picked our next episode yet. We're starting to work on a short list, but um, hopefully we'll be able to get to a point where we can maybe set these things out far enough in advance that you know you can send us some feedback early and uh, let us know. So uh, all that good stuff that uh, all that good technical stuff that really is what you tune in for, right? But uh, but again, yeah. If there's any villains you'd like to hear from, any fan casts you'd like to share, yeah. Who do you think yeah, would do it? Play better. along, yeah. So that's yeah. it, and uh, thanks again, and until next time, gentlemen, to evil. Clink. Clink. Once again, foolish friends, Freddy Krueger is on your phone. Dial this number now. I've got some tales to tell. Freddy's favorite bedtime stories. <laughs> Deadtime stories. So dial this number now, if you dare, and prepare for this. Freddy Krueger has a special message just for you. You see, my name is Freddy, and I'm here to say, I'll wrap you up and take you away. Feel like you're tired and ready for bed. Don't fall asleep or you'll wake up dead. <laughs>